On this week's Compete Everyday Podcast, we're talking with mental performance coach Shannon Ralston about burnout and defining success. What's up, Competitor Nation? Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and we are back. A brand new episode today in June to kick off your Wednesday and to help fuel you through this week as we talk about battling burnout and more importantly, defining success. When was the last time you sat down and actually defined not just your goals, but what success looks like for you? I think a lot of us grow up leaning on other people's definition of success. We, we go off what we see on social media. We go off what our friends define. And that really defeats the purpose of defining what we want our life to look like, what goals we're striving for, where we're striving to be great. I've got friends that are some of the best speakers in the business, some of the top in their game, and they could be earning another hundred dollars to $200,000 a year, but they've instead chosen to create a specific lifestyle so that they can be there for their kids, so that they have opportunities to be around. For them, success is being present as their kids grow up and get out of the house. It's not just a financial number, it's a lifestyle number. And they've defined it and have built a business and life around it. And it got me thinking about the importance of all of us defining what we want and really spending the time to say, if I'm successful, what does that mean? What does that look like? And then what can I do today to get closer to it? That's part of today's conversation with Shannon Rolston. Shannon and I connected on Instagram. And I really enjoyed today's chat about burnout, about defining success, about the importance of, of being present and locked into today so that we can make the most of it. And I know you will too. You'll be able to get some value out of it and hopefully be challenged to sit down and spend some time this week thinking about what success should be for you and what you want to start striving to create. Before we dive into the show, I want to give you a heads up that this upcoming week, June 14th, the CED Summer Collection drops. We've got some bright colors, we got a bunch of new designs, and all of it is hitting the shelves on June 14th, so be on the lookout. And if you're listening to the podcast, you have the inside edge because you can use the code PODCAST to get 15% off any of those items in the summer drop or maybe you like all of them and you want to grab one of each of the new designs. So get on there, check out the website starting first thing in the morning on June 14th. Use the code podcast, grab yourself 15% off anything on there with the summer collection, heck, or anything in the store, including my book, Compete Every Day, the not-so-secret secrets to winning your work and life. I'm loving seeing the post on Instagram, the stories shared, the, the tweets tagging me, tagging the book, talking about how the book is helping you just chip away at your goals, how it's helping you take on those elephant-sized challenges one bite at a time, and you just keep showing up and competing. So one, thank you incredibly for supporting the book over the last year, but two, just sharing what you're finding relevant and helpful to you, and more importantly, imply, applying it to your own journey so that you continue to lead the way for others and show them what it means to compete every day. Now, let's get into this week's episode with my new friend and today's guest, Shannon Rolston. Shannon, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to, to this conversation after we connected on Instagram and, and especially some of your content around competition and just your work, because I know you've worked with athletes, you work with professionals and, and really people from all walks of life now. Uh, but before I kind of dive into some of that, I'm curious, I would say what inspired or, or pushed you down the path of wanting to be a coach and, and really work and help people on that one-on-one -on -one basis? Yeah. So um, ironically, and uh, not by accident, I'm married to a coach. My husband is a professional coach. Um, and so, and my background is in education and yoga. I owned a yoga studio for some years and started to see that um, informally, I've been coaching both my husband and my students at my yoga studio for years. Um, and then I sold my studio about almost a year ago now um, and still had former students reaching out with, just like questions about life and looking for a little bit of guidance. So I found myself sort of naturally drawn toward connecting with people and helping them work through some of what life is presenting them with. Okay. Um, interesting. So how did you, I would say, was it through the yoga studio or how did some, I guess your early clients, especially cause you do work with athletes, how did that kind of path initially start to develop? Cause I know now you work with more people from all walks of life, but for the athlete space, a lot of people listening are like, well, that's cool. How did you get into just working with that space initially? Yeah. Yoga was really kind of the catalyst. Um, I had done some one-on-one -on -one work, yoga work, teaching yoga classes um, at universities and just creating connections. Like I think really believe everything starts with just like one conversation. Um, I also have, um, a brother-in-law who was a professional athlete athlete for a lot of years. And my nephew um, is now a division one college hockey player. So just like touching base with him and keeping my finger on the pulse of what's going on with, you know, this younger group of kids coming up who in my estimation are um, dealing with sort of bigger um, challenges earlier than um, I know my husband's players did 20 years ago. So um, it just seemed to happen really naturally. I think that there is so much support for college athletes and coaches to, um, you know, strength and conditioning and nutrition. And the hole that I really saw was that outside of um, some kind of school counseling program, what's missing was that piece of like somebody that they could go and talk to and just bounce stuff off of without feeling like they were like in therapy, which, you know, has its place and is amazing. Um, but they're not there yet, right? They're, they're kind of yep. like on the path to burnout. And so a lot of what I'm about is keeping them so that they don't need, you know, real intervention so that they can make little tweaks in their life um, and sort of sustain themselves and rejuvenate themselves so that they can keep making forward progress. I love that. And I love how you just talked about little tweaks that we make. Uh, I think a lot of times in, you mentioned this as well, right? With burnout, burnout's a fear. And I feel like most everyone's kind of dealing with it right now, especially according to some Gallup polls recently, over 41% of people are, are considering themselves burnt out as employees. And it's not like, Hey, just go take a vacation is going to solve that for most people. And, and, and that whole reframe that we normally have from a traditional standpoint of like, Oh, if you're burnout, you just need like a week off, go to a beach. It's not really going to help solve the issue, but little tweaks could. So I want to talk about that a little bit in, in terms of what you see and, and how you really help people look at that burnout perspective of like, Hey, listen, this isn't just, I need a quick vacation and you're going to hop back into it because it's still not going to solve the burnout issue. Right. Right. So I really believe that everybody's power lies in their thoughts and in their emotions and in their actions. 
And I think that burnout happens when we overaction and we're not working the muscles of digging into like, you know, getting real about your, your thoughts and emotions. Um, and Would you say a lot of that has to do with where we choose to put our perspective on a daily basis or what we're focusing on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like everybody can win and I'm like all for everybody winning like this long game that is life. Um, but it's defining what winning means for you and um, defining what success means for you and knowing that sometimes like there might be a little loss that needs to occur for you to like win big. Yeah, I, I actually want to explore that that concept a little bit because I know we talked about it off air and, and a lot of your concepts uh, and content you teach online is around that defining what winning looks like, defining that success looks like because all of us have been programmed since birth by media, by TV, like this is success, but that's not really reality. And, and that's not a good fit for everyone. Everybody needs to define that. So talk to me a little bit on, on your thoughts on success and more importantly, how people even really start to define what success could be for them versus accepting what they've always been told. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I think that to know what success feels like, there has to be some, some feeling of like the flip side of that coin, right? I know that my greatest learnings in life have come from what may be perceived as failures. Um, and in the life of my family and in the trajectory of even my husband's career as a coach, it was the like the stumbles and you know getting fired from the dream job and having to kind of really figure out like what what's important to us um and so for i can answer personally we got to a place where like the top of the mountain he kind of got there was coaching in the nhl it was pretty short-lived it's a pretty hard fall um and then we just had to reevaluate. like we have children we want more consistency in our life and so he's now, he's back in college after a lot of years away from college coaching. But for us, it was just determining like success should feel good in, in the moment that the win is happening. And it should feel good in the moment where you have to like suck it up and take the small loss too. So for that. me, it's, it's really kind of being okay with what you may have to turn away from so that you can turn toward like the bigger end goal. Well, and, and that's so incredibly important, especially, you know, as we talk about just competition in general, like that's the beauty of it is you're not guaranteed to win. And, and if you always play it safe and you, you play by what everyone else tells you, you should play by, there's no chance really of failure because you're never extending your comfort zone. You're never trying things. And therefore you're kind of settling on what success or happiness really could be for you versus, so, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to try it. I'm going to go after that dream opportunity. And if it doesn't work out, what can I learn through the process, which goes back to what is our perspective? How are we looking at things? Well, what does our day-to-day -day look like? Uh, and one of those things kind of around that revolves around a lot of that is, is focusing on the day and, and being mindful and locked into the present. Hmm. Obviously, with your background in yoga, I know mindfulness is a big key. And we just had Dr. Daya Grant on the, on the podcast talking about neuroscience and mindfulness. But mm -hmm. for you personally, how do you practice just being in the moment, because even as a coach and, and working with people on an individual side, it's so easy to get caught up on where I'm trying to go. What am I trying to build that's going to be my win versus yeah. where can I just be grounded in today to make the most of today? Yeah. Um, for me, what is important for me is that every day I have to get still 
Um, it could look like meditation. It could just look like going for a walk. But for me, it's like three things. I need to be still for a period of time. I need to move for a period of time. And then I need to ingest, like I love to read. So it could be reading a chapter in a book. Those three things are really important to me. And they help you start the day in terms of that intentionality for the day? Yeah. Yeah. And, and those things may happen throughout the day. I have two younger children, so I don't always get to, you know, get up an hour earlier than them and, and get that in. But as long as I can have like five minutes to be still with my cup of coffee, which is very important, <laughs> um, always. Then, then I know that I'm on the right track. And then working in movement and, and trying to ingest something. And it could be a podcast. It could be a documentary. It could be reading a chapter of a book. But those are ways that I get really present. Um, and, you know, as a coach, like I am client one, like I yeah. am, right? So it's just noticing like when I get hooked is always when I'm, when I'm trying to multitask, when I'm not present, where I'm not, where my feet are. And so the other thing that is maybe a little bit foolish, but so I'm standing in my office and I took my socks and my shoes off and it might be the yoga teacher in me, but like, I like to feel my feet on the floor <laughs> beneath me. Um, so that's also really helpful is to just get grounded in your physical body is like, put your hands or your feet on the ground. Is, let me ask you that. Is that kind of your go-to when you've started the day with that intentionality one, and then, you know, we get to two or three o'clock in the afternoon and you feel yourself focusing on what's outside of your control or, or your thoughts are kind of running to something in the past, something in the future. Is that one of the ways that you try to reground yourself in terms of just literally barefoot on the ground, focusing on breathing, or, or is there something else that you tend to do late in the day? Well, yeah, I mean, feet on the ground for sure, but you just said it, breath, to take a couple of deep inhales and exhales. And like, I like to, and you can do it anywhere. Like I can do it in car line waiting for my kids. I can do it waiting on hold if I'm, you know, trying to solve a problem on the telephone with something. And I love to do a five second inhale and a pause at the top of the inhale for five, and then a slower, slightly longer exhale. Right. I think that we tend, and I've, I noticed this with yoga students, we tend to be really good about like filling, filling, filling up, but we don't let ourselves get totally empty. So I always like to hold that exhale for an extra couple of seconds and just really get empty. It's amazing what it does, um, you know, physiologically for your body and your heart rate and, and everything. I was about to say that the breathing aspect, I'm continually uh, curious about and, and fascinated by how controlling that, because you think about it from a sports standpoint, like you want to control your breathing to better focus, but like life, you kind of forget it until like you really get a hold of some breathing and what it can help us do and what it can really help our bodies do, especially during times of stress and anxiety or when our focus is all over the place. And so um, I appreciate you hearing that. And it's continually been echoed uh, by other guests on the show is something important for listeners to really dive into. One of the things I'm, I'm going to throw you a little curveball with is knowing the yoga instructor in you and, and knowing some of your content on social media. You talk sometimes about what is meant for you will find you. And, and I know that's prevalent within the yoga community of, about being at peace at that. But I feel like there's a, there's a balance to that. And I know you as a coach believe as well to understanding, hey, if it's going to find you, it's going to find you, but still not being content to be complacent and, and putting forth the work and showing up every day to improve. 
how do you teach that balance? So someone doesn't either go all the way in like hundred percent, I got to make it happen. I'm going to grind, 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 grind oh. to just sitting still and being like, it's going to find me, but I'm not going to take action for it. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, like, you know, preparation is such a huge part of opportunity. What is meant for you will find you. But if you're, you know, sitting on the couch eating bonbons, you know, you're probably going to miss your bus. Right? You might, you yeah, might. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I do think, I think it's just finding the balance. And I think here's the, the, the thing that I really have found about coaching is that people already know. <laughs> they already have all the answers inside themselves. It's just that like life gets busy. There's expectations all over the place. And so if you can really get still with yourself and listen to your own intuition, you know the place where you have healthy striving, which could look like, working hard and competing and all of those things. And then you know when you've tipped the scale and you've moved into grinding. So grinding is one of the problems that I really wanna solve for coaches and athletes and everyone. Um, and the way I think about grinding, if you think about what grinding is, like it creates friction. And where there's friction, there is no flow. So I think if you can get, if you can take that big exhale and then see if your body can settle and if it can't, like you've probably crossed the line. You're probably moved away from healthy striving into grind. And then yeah. burnout is, you know, right around. Right. I was about to say, then burnout shows up and, and mm -hmm. coaching, especially I always find that fascinating because you always heard the stories of the anomaly in college football of Steve Spurrier because he would play golf and his coaches would be home early to spend time with their wives and kids. And you think about coaches now and you're like, like you live yeah. at the office, like you don't, <laughs> yeah. What, what are you talking about? Yeah. But there really was some truth to that of like, there are expectations and, and outcomes are do matter. But if you're not intentional with the process so that they don't burn out, we don't burn out from an office corporate setting to just life setting, you're going to get to the point where it's like the idea of you working 60 to 70 hours a week, you're much less productive those last 10 to 15 hours than you would have been if you just worked 40, which means you're probably getting less done working longer hours than you would have if you'd had better control of your schedule in the meantime, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so then I guess it just comes down to like, you know, prioritizing and focusing in on what is the end goal. Um, what does success look like? What does success look like? Yeah. If success looks like, you know, I'm the next, I don't know who, um, Mel Robbins. Yep. That might come at the expense of my personal life, my health, right? Like maybe not, but I have to make those decisions along the way. Like what is success worth to me? What am I willing to sacrifice to reach my end objective? And am I willing to be agile enough to, as I start to evolve as a person and a coach and for athletes, as they start to develop their craft, can you be agile enough to change what you think the promised land looks like? Uh, you know, the, the one thing you just said there that I just can't help but think about and, and want to really reiterate for the listeners is, what are you willing to sacrifice for? Mm. And really sitting down and getting real with it, because for a lot of us, we have health and fitness goals or, you know, we have training goals, but are we willing to sacrifice an hour of extra sleep at night to get up early and go to the gym? Or do we want to sleep? And if we want to sleep, that's okay. Just understand I'm intentionally sacrificing this goal or, you know, I, I may want 
happy hour every day. And if I'm choosing happy hour every day, I'm sacrificing sleep or time with family, whatever the case may be. And there's always a one or the other, like with success, uh, Nick Saban talks about it. It's not really a choice. Like you understand this is what I want. I'm going to sacrifice those things. I'm, I'm, I've made the choice that I want to win. But for a lot of us, I don't think we've ever sat down and actually identified one, what success is going to look like for us. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And then if we spend the time to be more self-aware and evaluate what we're doing right now or what we're willing to sacrifice to get there, it either helps make that journey a little bit easier because it eliminates the need for choices or it helps us start to identify a new direction. Um, because just like you talked about, I have friends that they started out after something and then, man, they, they had kids and a family and they're like, I want to be home on Saturdays. I want to be at all my kids' t-ball practices. Like, that corner office initially that I was going after, it's not as important as me showing up and competing to be a better dad. And, and so they've identified it. And so they're okay sacrificing that corner office to be more present at home, but we've got to have the time. And I think that's what you're saying is we've got to create the time to identify what our success should be. Then we can understand, am I willing to sacrifice for that? And if not, I need to adjust. Absolutely. And I hope that that would never, I hope that that would always be a choice, right? That somebody has like in every moment to make a choice. I mean, to really have agency. It's so funny. I think sometimes about in the world of athletics, the whole idea of free agency. And I feel like it's in some like subliminal way, it's gotten into, into our culture, our athletes and our coaches that until they have free agency, like it, you know, contractually <laughs> that they don't, also have free agency like all the time everywhere. Yeah. Like we all do. It's just, it's making the choice, like to your point, like when are you going to exercise it and what are you willing to sacrifice? Well, and, and I think it's a lot of us just being more aware that we do have more agency on our life and our choices than our actions than most people are aware that they do. I mean, we, we complain about a job we hate, but at the end of the day, we have agency whether we're going to build our skills and look for a new opportunity. We don't have to quit our job, right. but are we looking for a new one? Because that's up to us. I actually, you laugh, I got a, a DM this morning on Instagram and I, I'm pulling up my phone to get it from someone that listens to the, the Compete podcast and is probably listening to this one right now, uh, which is cool. But she messaged about, she's been super unhappy with her job and has been listening to the podcast and it just there was a question asked that I think I asked one of the guests or they started talking and she just started realizing like no one else except me can change my situation. Mm -hmm. Like she started to see, like, I have agency that if I want to change this, I have to change this. I can't wait till they just fire me or something falls in my lap. I have to take control of that. And I think more than anything, like that's one of the things that drives me every day just to teach people to compete is like you own your life. You need to take responsibility for your life so you can make it count yeah. More than just, you know, when you get to 70, 80, 90, looking back and being like, man, I accepted what everybody else wanted for me and tried to just let everybody else play their cards versus I have full responsibility. I'm going to, I'm going to use it and use that opportunity. So yeah, really, really appreciate you talking about that. Tell me uh, briefly, as we wrap up today, tell me a little bit about your coaching practice, because I know it's not just athletes and coaches you work with now. It's, it's kind of everybody because the challenges of athletes and coaches are the challenges we have in life. What we learn in sports translates to life so incredibly well. So who are the type of people that you're working with now on a consistent basis? And, and what does some of your coaching program look like? 
Yeah. So I offer one-on-one coaching um, and the problems that I am really looking to solve and the people who are gravitating toward me are people that are feeling some kind of high stake, high stress situation. It might be professionally, it might be personally, um, but we work through some of these issues of, you know, what would it look like to grind less and flow more, which is, you know, kind of a, a yoga-y woo-woo term, but just to, to more fully live into our life, right? Like there's that saying something like, don't live the same day for 80 years and then call it a life. Right. Like I, I want to help people realize and what I work with my clients on is realizing that, you know, choice is their power and their freedom, that they have the ability to make a different choice at any given moment to create a different outcome and result for themselves. I love um, that. And it's as empowering for me as it is for them. And, and what you just said there, as you laughed about, well, it sounds a little woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> what I, how I want to reframe it for listeners is if you think about in sports, the idea of pressing it when you're a player, it's you're trying too hard to make a play. You're trying to force something that isn't there, never works out to your favor. And a lot of times it's when you're going into double teams and, and you're trying to force it versus all athletes know like that feeling when you're, you're just in flow, like everything's smooth. You see the court, you see the field, you know, your teammates, everything's working. If, if we've played sports, like I remember those games where you're just in flow. And I remember those games where you're pressing it and pressing it never works. And that's essentially what you're saying is that grinding mode. How do we get out of just constantly trying to press it and more about how can we get into that flow state of mind where things are working with us and we're focused, we're sharp, we're doing and executing the way we've prepared for in those moments. Uh, and so I wanted to reframe that just a yeah. little bit because we've laughed about that. And, and me, myself growing up, like I've laughed here on the show, like, woo-woo terminology for a kid from small east texas like i ran from like yoga and meditation like i that was not for me and and the older i've gotten the more i've learned about like visualization and positive self-talk and things that i'm like man if i could go back 22 years oh, or so right? and just be like shake little jake and talk to him about learn this uh and so that's how i wanted to reframe it because I, I think that clicks and for someone that that works with athletes and i know a lot of people on the show do yoga uh this coaching program and the work you do could be a fantastic fit for them so i appreciate you kind of taking the minute to share in case it is now if someone listening is interested where's the best place to connect with you uh, in terms of your website as well as social media yeah so my website is shannonralston.com um, on Instagram, I'm primarily on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Shannon.Ralston. And I can be reached by email at hello at ShannonRalston.com. Love it. Made it super easy for everyone. Shannon, <laughs> thank you so incredibly much for taking some time to come on the show this week and just talking burnout, success, and hopefully us being more self-aware of what we want to create with our lives. So I appreciate you making the time for us. Oh, thank you, Jake. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To listen to past episodes, be sure to check out podcast.competeeveryday.com. And to get in touch with the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. Everybody wants to win, but not everybody's willing to compete for that victory. Since you're one who will, show up today and win. We're cheering.